0: Living with Diabetes, a podcast from Diabetes Victoria with Jack Fitzpatrick. Hello, one and all. Thanks for tuning in to the official Diabetes Victoria podcast. This is a great forum for those of us impacted by diabetes, whether it be directly or indirectly, to discuss ideas, share stories and build our diabetes community. I'm Jack Fitzpatrick, ex-Melbourne and Hawthorne AFL player and current Diabetes Victoria ambassador. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the Kulin Nations where we are speaking from today, as well as all the lands across Australia, and pay my respects to all Elders past and present, and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening in. We've got a topic today, it's one that we hear a lot about, and when we hear it, it does often include a lot of misinformation. That topic is type 2 diabetes remission, and whether or not it is possible. Now, I do live with diabetes, but I have type 1, so it's a topic that I am in the dark a little bit. So I'll be learning a lot about this and doing a lot of asking. So I'm joined by two special people who are subject matter experts, both from Diabetes Victoria. We have Jane Robinson, who is the Dietitian Team Leader, and Catherine Amadio, who is the Diabetes Education Team Leader. And both uh, Jane and Kath, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks, Jack. Nice to be here. Yeah, lovely to be here.
0: It's an exciting topic in some ways, but almost a scary one for myself. As I said, it's the one that I sort of probably hear and see the headlines or the news, but that's probably about it because it's something that personally doesn't concern me as much as the type 1 stuff. So when we talk about type 2 diabetes, what do we say when someone is in remission, is my first question. So
1: type 2 diabetes remission Is defined as a sustained or continued improvement in blood glucose levels. And it's measured by the HbA1c. So the HbA1c is a measurement of uh, how much glucose sticks to red blood cells over a three month period or so. And uh, where the HbA1c levels remain below 6.5% or 48 millimole per mole for at least three months without needing glucose lowering medications.
0: Okay so obviously the HbA1c is something I'm aware of living with type 1 um, but for example if I'm under 6.5 I mean I know that's type 1 so it's a different topic but that's with the advantage or with the use of insulin and, and so on and so forth but this is under 6.5 for the HbA1c without any enhancers I guess whether it be drugs of, of some sort. Correct. Okay, and and help us understand a bit more about what happens to the body when someone is diagnosed with type 2 diabetes.
1: So before I explain what type 2 diabetes is, I think it's important to understand what happens in people without diabetes. Um, In short, people without diabetes have glucose levels roughly below 7 millimole um, on a blood test because their pancreas produces enough insulin to keep glucose levels within target range. When we eat carbohydrate food, it breaks down into glucose and glucose enters the bloodstream. As the blood glucose starts to rise, insulin is automatically released by our pancreas to help turn glucose into energy. Now, diabetes in general is a condition where blood glucose levels rise above the target range. This is because the pancreas either doesn't make enough insulin or the insulin it does make doesn't work properly or effectively enough. In type 2 diabetes, there's usually a combination of both these issues. So the body becomes resistant to the effects of insulin and over time, the beta cells of the pancreas loses the ability to make enough insulin and then someone is diagnosed with type 2 diabetes.
0: Okay, that does make a lot of sense. Thank you, Cass. Um, I'll just ask a simple question then. Is remission actually achievable?
2: So um, it's not achievable for everybody. People with type 2 diabetes most likely to achieve remission include those who are overweight or very overweight and those who have lived with type 2 diabetes for less than five years. So they've been diagnosed within the last five years and they've got a lower HbA1c when they attempt remission and Um, those who aren't requiring insulin therapy.
0: Okay, okay. So, yeah, it is, but not for everyone is is the simple answer. Correct. Okay, noted. So, how can it be achieved for the people who actually can achieve it?
2: Yeah, so based on the evidence from clinical trials, weight loss is the main driver and predictor of remission. Um, Studies have shown that sustained weight loss of 10 to 15% of body weight is required to achieve remission. Now, in an overweight person, that's you're looking at ten kilos or more.
0: Okay. Now, obviously, and this is everyone's different because we all have different shapes, sizes, body compositions, and makeup, etc. But is, is this something obviously you need to speak with your, your diabetes care team about? Because um, obviously, we all have different weights, and you know, even the simple BMI isn't as simple as what it actually is. So there are different things everyone needs to be looking at separately. So rather than a simple thing or a simple equation, do we all need to be speaking to our healthcare team?
2: Yeah, absolutely. A supportive healthcare team is um, really important because not everyone um, with type 2 diabetes um, should be attempting remission.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, why is weight loss so effective in achieving remission? Uh,
2: So if we look at how Uh, Fat is stored in the body. It's stored in two ways. You've got subcutaneous fat, which sits just under the skin, and then we've got visceral fat, which sits in and around our organs, including the pancreas. So the visceral fat is what stops the insulin from doing its job properly, also known as insulin resistance, like Kath had mentioned. And by reducing body weight and losing these fatty cells, you have the dual effect of reducing insulin resistance and enhancing insulin secretion. So studies have shown the best ways of losing a substantial amount of weight is either through intensive dietary changes or bariatric surgery, also known as weight loss surgery.
0: Okay, I, I noticed the uh, the using the word intensive and sort of uh, – if, if I was right, reading that, that would be italicised, bolded and underlined there, mm-hmm. uh, Jane – We hear about intensive diets, and and I previously for about 12 months have tried a low-carb, high-fat diet, and I always say when doing stuff with Diabetes Vic, and I know we never push someone to a certain diet. Once again, it all is just talking about our own experiences, and we always encourage people to speak with their diabetes care management team. But what are some of these intensive diets that you were talking about? Yeah,
2: so the very low-carbohydrate um, diet that you'd mentioned just then, Jack, also known as a ketogenic diet, is one of the diets that has been shown to um, be successful in in losing a substantial amount um, of weight. Um, but there are others as well. So, so, so long as they are energy restricted and they're sustainable. So, um, the very low carbohydrate ketogenic diet restricts your carbohydrates to around about fifty grams per day. So, quite uh, a small amount of carbohydrate, um, usually we're looking at around 200 grams of carbs per day. So this type of diet tends to be based on uh, proteins, fats and non-starch vegetables. So that's one. Um, Often in the studies they use a total dietary replacement, so looking at about 800 calories per day, um, using uh, meals, um, um, shakes and soups and bars uh so each of the breakfast lunch and dinner is replaced with a a shake uh as an example um and then there's other other diets have worked as well so lower carbohydrate mediterranean style diets low fat low calorie with exercise so um you're right you mentioned before jack it's not a case of one size fits all you've got to choose what's going to work for you
0: absolutely and, and you know as i said i tried the low carb high fat and personally for me it did work um i i returned back to a a normal diet, for want of a better word, I guess, um, just given for different lifestyle factors and, and personal choice. But I know that um, when I changed, I mean, I was quite fortunate. It was when I was playing AFL at the time, I was at the Melbourne Football Club and the Melbourne Football Club doctor was all over it. And I was fortunate that I'd go to work every day and have a doctor and I could ask questions and they're all across it. Are there any concerns or things that people should be mindful about when they're starting such a diet?
2: Yeah, so these very low-carbohydrate diets in particular, um, first of all, you need to consult your doctor to make sure you get the all-clear to start the very low-carbohydrate or low-energy diet. Um, Your GP will also review any medication you're taking. Um, Oral hypoglycemic agents, for example, may need to be reduced or stopped altogether, certainly not in your case, Jack, being type 1. But once you start a total meal replacement diet, so, like I mentioned, the um, nutritionally formulated meals and um, shakes and, and soups,
0: um, or a
2: very low carbohydrate diet, you can be at risk of nutrient deficiencies. So, such as vitamin C, vitamin A, thiamine, and folate are the main ones. So, it's best to undertake the diet in consultation with a dietitian. Um, you might also experience constipation because these diets tend to be really low in fiber because you've taken out all the good sources of fiber. So, all your um, carbohydrate containing grains and cereals. Um, So you be mindful, you might need a a fibre supplement. And then finally, you might have some cognitive effects uh, because your brain's preferred source of fuel is glucose, which we mainly get from carbohydrates. So if that isn't there anymore, you might experience headaches, poor memory, um, poor concentration and slower reaction times. And these can be short-term just as your body and your brain adapts to the new diet and the new fuel source.
0: It's interesting you mentioned that. I mean I was I was lucky I was you know you used in conjunction with a dietitian and uh, a doctor which as I said I was very fortunate enough to have both at my disposal when when playing AFL but um I remember I was warned about these because the way the doctors and dietitian put it at the time was essentially you're, uh, it's almost like you're coming down and withdrawing from with it from not having carbs and there was probably a two-week period i reckon where i was struggling with training and weights and those kinds of things because i just seemed to lack energy and as you said i did have these side effects for one of a better word um eventually i got through that but without that warning I, geez, I, I honestly would have thought i was getting sick or there was almost something wrong with me because it, yeah, it was doesn't a, surprise terrible, me Yeah, yeah yeah um but in terms of remission, we've obviously spoken about it, and you've said you know what helps and the diets and, and the people who are you know able to achieve it. What what actual research is being done regarding remission, Jen?
2: Um, so the major studies looking at remission in people with type two include um, the diadems, the diadem trial, which was based in Qatar, uh, the Verda Health study from the US, and the UK-based Direct trial. So we start by the. Looking at the diadem trial, it involved 147 participants from Middle Eastern and North African origin. Um, they were put on a total meal replacement program involving shapes and soups, and the average weight loss of the group was 12 kilos. Um, and at 12 months, 46% of their participants met the criteria for diabetes remission, and the outcomes for beyond 12 months are still to come, um, so watch out for those. Uh, the second trial, the Verda Health Study, is an online program and it uses the ketogenic diet or the very low carbohydrate diet. Um, and the carbohydrate diet, as I mentioned, uh, the carbs are kept under 50 grams per day. There were 349 participants in this study and their remission rate at one year was 25% and slightly fewer in remission at two years. So about it went down to about 17%. And then the final trial, the Diabetes Remission Clinical Trial, or DIRECT trial as it's shortened to, uh, was conducted over two years in the UK in 2019. So it involved over 300 people who had type 2 diabetes uh, for less than six years. So they'd been diagnosed in the previous six years. And they were randomly assigned to either the control group who received usual diabetes care in their GP clinic or the intervention group. So there were 149 people in the intervention group um, and they started a 12-week total meal replacement diet of the shapes and suits. And the total energy intake was about 800 calories. And during this time, so the first 12 weeks, they saw a dietitian every fortnight. And then the following two months, they gradually reintroduced their food and reduced the diet shapes. And during that time, they saw a dietitian every fortnight as well to discuss food portions and healthy eating. And then, for the remainder of the two years, the participants saw a dietitian every month to help them keep the weight off, which they had lost in the first phase of the trial. So, in addition, they were encouraged to do fifteen thousand steps per day. Um, but in the in total, over the course of the trial, the participants received um, in the intervention saw a dietitian thirty times, which is a lot of support.
0: Yeah, damn right, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so with these I mean you have you've, you've given three different I must admit I far from being a scientist when you said diadem my initial thought was to think of Harry Potter when they're talking <laughs> something in the last episode and I'm sure that any Harry Potter fan of the, of the books and movies would know what I'm talking about um but you were talking you gave some numbers there different types of studies different people with different backgrounds and different Uh, I guess, uh, conditions in terms of where they're at with their diabetes and and their body, et cetera. You said approximately about a 1,000 people was roughly quick max, maybe a bit less across those three studies, but it certainly wasn't everyone achieving remission.
2: Yeah, correct. So even with all the resources available, these diets are really difficult to stick to. Um, And often people regain weight by that two-year period um, and they're no longer in remission. So um, to give a bit of context to that, in the direct trial, the group of people who lost on average six kilos didn't achieve remission. Um, The group who lost an average of 12 kilos achieved remission at one year, but they regained about seven kilos at two years and they were no longer in remission. Um, and then the third group lost on average 15 and a half kilos. They only regained four kilos at two years, and they were the group who stayed in remission at two years. So. Um,
0: Sorry, that was the group with more uh, dietitian access, is that correct?
2: Um, no, they all had the same, but it was the group that lost the most amount of weight um, in, the, in the trial that were most likely to remain in remission. Yeah. Um, so overall studies show that less than half of people with type 2 diabetes who attempt remission will achieve it at one year and only a third will remain in remission at two years.
0: Okay. And pardon my ignorance. Um, when we're talking about people achieving remission but then a year later they're no longer in remission again and, and that's generally because they've increased their weight, is that because the diet itself specifically is no longer working or is that because they're just due to differing lifestyle factors that they're unable to stick to the diet absolutely rigidly
2: yeah so so in essence it's because they've regained the weight um so they their blood glucose levels start to return to a level which indicates type 2 diabetes um so like we mentioned earlier these diets are really difficult to follow um and it's not a situation of one size fits all um and um if they revert back to um their old behaviors i guess then they are more likely to – so it's it's not just a change in diet. It really needs to be a change um, in lifestyle and habits as well to maintain that weight loss um, longer.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely no doubt about that. And as I said, I, I was only able to do it for a year and I was playing as a professional AFL footballer and I found it difficult and, and yes. had all the resources under the sun. So when you're living, for want of a better word, a normal job but a normal life and things get in the way, I can certainly understand how that can happen. What if someone tries remission but is unfortunately unsuccessful, Jane? Um,
2: Yes, so first of all, they should feel disheartened and don't think that they've failed. Um, Reducing weight or improving HbA1c are significant to your health. Um, And I'll give an example. So reducing your HbA1c from 10% down to 8% is much more significant to your health than reducing your HbA1c from 6.9% to 6.4% just to achieve remission, to achieve that golden 6.5% number that everyone's after.
0: So even if we're technically not successful with the definition of remission, we're obviously still doing many beneficial things to our, our ourselves and our health. Absolutely. Yeah, And you mentioned weight loss surgery earlier as one potential option instead of diets. Is that more successful at all?
2: Yeah, so weight loss surgery, also known as bariatric surgery, has got a really interesting story. So they found in people with type 2 diabetes who had had surgery to their stomach and digestive system for weight loss, that only 24 to 48 hours after the surgery, blood glucose levels had started to return to normal. So obviously that's way too early for any weight loss to occur. Um, The exact mechanism for the remission of diabetes in these people is unclear but it's thought to be a combination of changes to the gut hormones and also um, the overall energy restriction um, to the body so type 2 diabetes remission from this type of weight loss surgery has got impressive results about 75 percent of people who go into remission following surgery and um, and they are able to keep their weight off, remission has been shown to last for up to 10 years. But, again, if they do regain weight, they will um, – they will. blood glucose levels will, again, enter that range where they're diagnosed with type 2.
0: And if they have the, – people have this this surgery and and are in remission, are they then recommended to stick to one of the diets that we sort of spoke about earlier, or is it, again, a number of lifestyle factors that – Um, So
2: absolutely lifestyle factors. Um, And people who have had this type of surgery will um, be um, in consultation with the dietician as to the specific diet um, that they can have and especially the volumes because essentially what they're doing is reducing um, the volume of food that that the stomach can take.
0: Yeah. What about people who shouldn't attempt remission? For any reason. Kath, you're probably the one to answer this. Are there any people who shouldn't attempt remission for any given reason?
1: Yeah, there are some people for whom remission might be dangerous um, and this would include people with kidney disease, heart disease, uh, a history of disordered eating perhaps, pregnant women, and children. And um, for people who do want to attempt remission, you've already mentioned it and Jane's already mentioned it, that they really need to consult with their health professionals because it is an intensive dietary um, treatment. And, um, and so, you know, they need careful management, monitoring and support.
0: Yeah, Yep. And as we say, it's a recurring theme, but it is true always in conjunction with your diabetes care management team. What if someone um, wants to try remission, but they don't necessarily have excess weight to lose? They might be in pretty good physical condition and these kinds of things. Can they still try it?
1: That's a good question. Look, the recent studies that were conducted involved people achieving remission by 10 to 15 kilos or by 10 to 15%. Um, So really, if you don't have that much weight to lose, there's nowhere to go in terms of weight loss. Um, and so, but in addition to that point, I suppose I want to mention that there are multiple risk factors for developing type two diabetes. Um, these include genetics, age, lifestyle factors such as you know nutrition and physical activity, and the use of some medicines like corticosteroids. Yeah. Um, there's also the role of epigenetics. so we know that, um, for example, babies born of low birth weight, Um, have a higher risk of developing type 2 diabetes in adulthood. Um, Or uh, children uh, who are malnourished also have a higher risk of developing type 2 diabetes. So some risk factors are modifiable and probably the weight is the most modifiable, although very challenging. Yes. um, and, And probably, as Jane already explained about the visceral fat Um, So if we can get rid of that, then we can reduce the insulin resistance, which is one of the main issues of type 2 diabetes. Another thing to keep in mind is that people who are lean may be misdiagnosed as having type 2 diabetes, um, especially if they're over a certain age or they don't require insulin diagnosis. However, these people may actually have LADA or latent autoimmune diabetes in adults, which is an autoimmune condition. Just like classic type one diabetes, just that they're probably they're more slow to progress to insulin, and uh, they usually need insulin within you know three to six years, for example. Um, so it's important that people who are lean and diagnosed with diabetes do get tested. Uh, their, their doctors do uh, auto antibody testing to just exclude autoimmune diabetes.
0: Yeah, very very important. Um, now. How important is it um, if someone achieves remission to still have their health checks and their complication screenings and those kinds of things?
1: That's something that we all asked as well. Um, It's very important that they continue to do so. Uh, There isn't enough evidence on the impact of remission um, on diabetes complication. So everyone who is in remission should continue to get regular diabetes monitoring, um, go through their annual cycle of care checks, um, and example is, you know, your diabetes eye checks and foot checks, and so on. Um, we also recommend that people who achieve remission remain registered with the National Diabetes Services Scheme or the NDSS, so they can still access support and resources just like people who haven't achieved remission. Um, to look to date, um, the evidence shows that some people have a gradual return to to, uh, type 2 diabetes. Um, So uh, the other thing is that often by the time someone is diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, they've had years of insulin resistance and so there may already be some uh, changes um, to uh, their microvascular um, areas, macrovascular and so on. So it really is important that we keep up with the health checks.
0: And with those stats that you just mentioned, is that exactly why the experts or, you know, the people in the field don't like to use the terms cured or reversed because I guess it's not necessarily permanent?
1: Yeah, it may not be permanent. That's right. We don't have enough evidence, although the recent studies have shown that progression of type 2 diabetes can be stopped or slowed, um, remission still seems to be the best term and strikes the best balance because the underlying metabolic defects of type 2 diabetes may still be there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So if someone's listening, uh, living with type 2 right now, and either they've heard this podcast and they're excited about it or they've read things in the news or read it in the paper or heard it in the news or or whatever it might be, and they want to attempt remission, um, where should they start?
1: Yeah, look, always with their general practitioner um, or endocrinologist if they've got one. Um, especially if they're on uh, glucose lowering agents that can cause hypoglycemia or low glucose levels. Um, their diabetes nurse educator, their dietitian, uh, especially dietitian because they need the extra the, the ongoing support, a psychologist, because um, re- psychologists can talk about behaviour change and they can counsel people and discuss the barriers to change, um, an exercise physiologist, because exercise is um, extremely important in reducing that insulin resistance. And, um, and just to remind people that that um, Medicare does subsidise um, allied health visits and you can um, get a chronic disease management plan from your GP.
0: Very, very important. Now, people want to feel hopeful about making changes and achieving remission. Um, why have health professionals not suggested this in the past?
1: Yeah, um. We've not had this type of evidence in the past. So um, traditionally type 2 diabetes has been understood as a progressive condition, and we see that in everyday in the diabetes world where someone will come in, is diagnosed. um, they start with, um, you know, food, healthy food choices and exercise. And then, you know, within a year, they may need a medication, and then an increase in dose and then another medication. And many people with type 2 diabetes end up on insulin therapy within a 10 year period. And so this is what we commonly see. But this um, new evidence makes us all hopeful because we want to feel hopeful too as health professionals and um, and we can start speaking a different language when discussing type 2 diabetes with clients and hopefully long-term long term studies show that um, we can put type 2 diabetes into remission for an extended period of time.
0: That is incredibly exciting. I am mindful of time, obviously. I know, I know that I have one more question before we finish up, uh, Kath. How much more work or research has been done in this area?
1: Diabetes Australia is currently supporting the Direct Australia Study in New South Wales, um, and it's aiming to replicate the UK's direct study in an Australian context.
0: Well, that is very exciting. Hopefully, we're here for more positive news. As I said, I would love to talk about this. I've learned a lot myself. It is a fascinating topic. I, I am wary of time. So I do want to let you guys both go Uh, Kath and Jane as I said both of you from Diabetes Vic I thank you so much for giving up your time to talk about this because as I said I've learned a lot and I'm sure there are so many people that are listening in that have either heard much misinformation or maybe are hearing this for the first time and as you said they now might actually be feeling hopeful about achieving possible remission so thank you guys so much for giving up your time
2: Thanks Jack Thank you
0: Thanks for listening Hope you enjoyed the program If you'd like to contact us it's very easy simply send an email to podcasts at diabetesvic.org.au or of course all the information you'll need is on the website diabetesvic.org.au